So if you saw the, the term card um, earlier, it said we we're going to have a guest speaker today. And sorry, look up. I'm not a guest speaker, am I? Um, uh, and uh, the person who is going to come is a good friend of mine and a good friend of a lot of you. It's called Martin Wainwright. And he was going to come and speak. Um, and uh, he, he couldn't make it. So we'll get him to come next term. He's a lovely, lovely guy. Uh, for those of you who don't know him, he was the, the vicar here. He's now an army chaplain and uh, a bit concerned about what's happening in the world, actually, when I spoke to him. So do pray for him as well. Um, and um, the other thing I want to give you a heads up is that next Sunday, the service is going to be a bit different to our, our usual 10 o'clock service. It's a remembrance service. We, we're going to hopefully have guests who don't regularly come to church. So we're going to have a choir and uh, some hymns. So uh, it's going to be a, a bit different for those of you who have sort of joined recently. Uh, expect something a bit different to your normal Sunday. Uh, and okay, I'm going to come now to our, our theme for today. Uh, we are looking at First uh, Peter and life in the world. And um, what we're going to look at today is sort of the heart of the book. So this is the heart of, of the whole book of First Peter. And before that, we, we've been looking at hope, a bit of our identity, the, the sort of all the, the nice bit about what it means to, to be a Christian. So there's a lot of like great things that, that we've been looking at. Um, Things like uh, last Sunday we looked at this, which is an amazing passage. It says, but you are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. What a privilege, what an honor to be called God's special people, the people of God. Um, and um, it's, it's quite radical, actually, at Peter saying this, because this was sort of how Israel was known in the Old Testament. And Peter's taking that same idea back to the followers of Jesus now and saying, now this is you. You are God's special possession. And... Um, and in many ways, it's, it's sort of something we, we know and we, we, as Christians, we probably are aware that we are God's people. But uh, I think we forget actually what that means. What that means is God saying, not only I am your God and we identify with him as our God, but he's also saying, you are my people. And this sort of double identification is really powerful the God who created the universe, the God who is super loving, the God who came to earth in Jesus is saying, you know what? These are my people. These are the people who represent me. And he's looking at you and me and saying, these are the ones who represent me in the world. These are the ones who are going to share my love and my truth and my values to the people around them. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing that God calls you and me his people? And he, he says like, other people around there, look, if you want to know who I am, go and speak to them. They know who I am. They represent me. It's super powerful. It's, it's quite a big privilege and honor to have that. And I know it seems a bit pretentious and arrogant, but it's true. It's not that we are better than anyone else. It's not that I, I'd say we are probably worse than everyone else, but I'm going to explain why. Um, it's not that we're better than, than anyone else. It's just that that's who God is. And he's invited everyone to come on a journey with him. And we've said yes. Um, uh, and I think we're probably a bit worse than everyone else. I'm going to explain why. Basically because we 
have the Holy Spirit in us, and we read the Bible, and we, and we sort of are trying to follow Jesus, and we're intentionally trying to be kinder and more loving and more accepting. And then we've got loads of other people who actually don't know God and, and don't know how much they're loved, and yet they're sort of more kind than us. I'm like, why, why, is, why is this? And that's why sometimes I feel we are a bit worse, because we've got all these massive resources to be like the kindest, most loving people in the world, and we're not, we're not always that way. Um, and I'm not saying this as a judgment at all. I'm just saying at, as a fact that we, we're not better than anyone else. The only thing is we've discovered who God is, and we want to share that with someone else. Uh, and, and that's quite special, isn't it? That we, we've got this light that's not ours, but it's, it's God's, and we get to share it with other people. And um, as I was thinking about this and sort of reflecting on how, how great it is to be called a special possession, I was also very aware that I didn't have a great week this week. It, it was just one of those weeks where you get lots of different things happening, uh, and, and lots of them were like small things. Lots of them were like uh, a, a puncture in the car and something breaking in the house and something breaking in a flat. And, so like, and you know when you get all these lots of things, or also being off for half term and then having loads of emails and not being able to sort of do what you wanted to do, and then I had to sort of not do Sabbath, which is what I've been preaching on. We've been preaching on doing sort of a day of rest. Instead of that, I was sort of preparing a talk and doing other things. Um, and you know those weeks where you feel like everything's a bit chaotic. Um, and this is more or less how it felt. I'm going to give you an insight of what half-term is in our household. So have a look at the screen. More or less, this is what we live That's 20 seconds of, <laughs> of sort of, we do this like 10 hours a day. This is 10 hours a day. Um, but in many ways, that's, that's kind of how I felt. And, and Sammy is, is our middle boy. He, um, he was fighting with, with Benji, who's older, and Toby, because he knows he can't fight with Benji, who's seven. He just goes and tries to f- tackle uh, Sammy in the middle. Uh, and, and so basically, Sammy is fighting with both of them. And I think us middle brothers have done that a lot, like just fighting on both sides. Um, and, and we asked him, are you right, Sammy? Like, you're fighting both. And you say, yeah, I can do this. I can, I can manage both. It's just by fighting on both sides. And, and in many ways, I think that's like this week felt, like just fighting many battles at the same time. And um, in the midst of all of that, um, I want to come into First Peter, because I think maybe a lot of us sometimes feel like that. We're just like fighting things all, all the time. And, and when we come back to the Bible, we come back to be refreshed and see things in a different way. So let's go down to what we've just read. Oh, we're going to read our passage now. Sorry. Andrew, can you come forward? We haven't read it yet. First Peter 2, if you want to look in your Bibles. Okay. Thank you, Nick. So the reading today is from 1 Peter, chapter 2, verses 11 to 17. And if you wish to follow this in the church Bibles, it's on page 1218. So page 1218 
1 Peter, chapter 2, beginning at verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honour the emperor. Amen. Thank you, Nick. So, um, if you can have the laptop up again, that would be great. Um, so, it starts by saying, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sin desi- sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans. Um, and firstly, um, you have to remember in this context, like Jewish people at the time, they'd say you're either a uh, a Jew or you're a pagan. So for us, if you say you're like pagan, sounds like a very, very harsh word today to call someone who doesn't believe in Jesus a pagan. But at that time, that's, that's the sort of the, the wording they used. Um, and uh, I, I can find three big themes in, in this passage. And uh, one is this, that we are foreigners and we are exiles. A second is we are called to abstain from sin. And the third one is that we are supposed to sort of try and... Uh, follow Jesus and do life as he did. Um, and I want to touch on what it means to be a foreigner, because I think we, we, we again, we forget that we, we are from a different kingdom. The, the day we decide to put Jesus as our Lord and as our King, we are under a different nation, a different set of values, a different set of traditions, a different set of laws in many ways. Uh, so we, we are not actually from this nation. We are from another nation. And I think we, we tend to forget how big that is, that sort of that distinction is that when we decide to follow Jesus, everything changes and we are part of something different. Um, and uh, for most of you who are not foreigners, you, you, you don't sort of, until you're a foreigner, you don't understand what me being a foreigner actually is. And eight years ago, we moved from Argentina to England. And for the first time in my life, I understood what it meant to be a foreigner and to be in a land where uh, some things were different. Uh, my, my background is my granny's English, so we do have a like, British background. But, but living in, in a slightly different culture means you, you sort of come into a different world. Um, I don't know, how, how many of you are foreigners? So we've got a, a whole group of foreigners, mostly South Africans, um, <laughs> which is all right, we like South Africans. Um, 
So basically, if you're foreign in this church, the chances are you're a World Cup champion. So either football or rugby. So we've, we've got a bit of an advantage here. Um, but, uh, but basically, uh, as a foreigner, you step into a, a set of, of rules that are a bit different sometimes, and you don't realize. Like when we came up, the first time we went to Cornwall, we, we were in the car, and uh, we, we passed by this sign that's, that had a, a little picture of a stag, and said, stags for sale. And I looked at something, and I was like, what on earth is this? Are they selling stags in Cornwall? And then we continued, and then there was another, stags for sale. It's like, is it like, is it legal? Can you sell this stuff? Like, it doesn't seem very normal. And then we saw like 10, and I realized, oh, this is, this is a state agency selling houses <laughs> called Sacks for Sale. But the first impact is because you don't know, you don't know the cult, like part of the cultures, like you don't know if you can do it. Um, and the other thing is we were li- living in Lairhead, and we saw this really nice sign that, that had... Um, was it Hamlet with Benedict Cumberbatch and it's in Leatherhead Theatre and it said like Hamlet and main character is going to be Benedict Cumberbatch and, and we're like Benedict Cumberbatch in Leatherhead and the ticket was 15 pounds I was like oh wow this is definitely worth it but again you come in and you don't really know what ticket prices are and 15 pounds in Argentina is quite a lot of money so maybe it could be so we bought our tickets, and then so as, as the day went by, we suddenly thought, this probably is not what we're expecting. And when we arrived to Leatherhead Theatre, have you been in Leatherhead Theatre? The, the seats are, are really uncomfortable, you're like squished. And it was a screening of Hamlet being played in, in London, of Benedict Cumberbatch. And it was like, if I were watching this on the telly, I'd change channel, but we'd paid £15. <laughs> and... Paid 15 pounds, we are there, we might as well just watch it. But um, it's the kind of thing you get when you're a foreigner. There are certain things that are, are different for you. And, and I don't think we sometimes realize that once we, we are following Jesus, we, we end that foreigners, that our, our set of rules and our culture is different to the culture we live in. Uh, and I think we, we need to sort of grab that again and realize who we are and what we're called to do is very different to the world around us. And the other thing it says is we are foreigners and exiles. Uh, and, and I was sort of trying to look at Bible commentaries as why, why does it just, what's the difference between an exile and a, a foreigner? Why does it have these two distinctions? And the, and the main distinction was that uh, for them at that time, in, when Peter's writing this, they were being persecuted, so they were being killed. And, and the concept of an exile is someone who leaves the land but will come back. Like, this is not my land, but at some point I'm going to come back. Uh, and I think what Peter was trying to say was, look, you're going through a really tough time. You're in exile, but this is temporary. This is not forever. If you're going through a really tough time as someone from a different nation, you're in exile, but at some point you're going to come back to, to your, your own nation, to, to being with, with God. And I think that's what um, Peter was trying to say. And then uh, further on, First Peter says, Live as free people. Again, the same concept as being sort of foreigners. But do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. So don't, don't do like bad stuff. And live as, slave, as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor tempor- uh, the emperor. And what you're saying here is quite radical, isn't it? Live as God's slaves. Isn't that quite harsh for our culture today to say we are God's slaves? We are under a master. 
we are under a king who rules our life. It's quite a, a, a harsh statement to say, but what, what we have to remember is who our master is and what he does and how he acts and who is the person we're following. Because when we decide to follow Jesus, we, we are deciding to follow his lead, to go where he takes us. But he is the most loving, kind uh, person in the world. And he is the one who's going to give us fulfillment and life in the full. So when we're saying we're God's slaves, it sounds very harsh, especially for our culture today. But when we say we're following the most amazing person in the world, and we're trying to be like him, then that's quite quite different. But there is uh, a sense of uh, we are not equals with Jesus in this phrase. It's, there is a sense of, well, he does have authority over our lives. We are not like, oh, Jesus is my friend. He is, but he's also the Lord of heaven and earth. And we also call to follow him, not for him to follow us. Um, and this is kind of where I want to take us uh, this morning. Henry Nowen says this, um, because we, we've been talking about identity and who we are as foreigners. And he, he says, says this, and I, and I love it. I try and sort of sink in as I read these words. Although claiming my true identity as a child of God, I still live as though the God to whom I'm returning demands an explanation. I still think about his love as conditional and a, about home as a place I am not yet fully sure of. While walking home, I keep entertaining doubts about where I will be truly welcome when I get there. As I look at my spiritual journey, my long and fatiguing trip home, I see how full it is of guilt about the past and worries about the future. I realize my failures and know that I have lost the dignity of my sonship. But I'm not yet able to fully believe that where my failings are great, grace is always greater. Still clinging to my sense of worthlessness, I project for myself a place far below that which belongs to the Son. Uh, and I think this is the assurance of the gospel, which we tend to forget, that it's not because of our deeds, and, and we know this if we've been following Jesus for a while, but there's nothing we can do to earn an eternity with God. There's nothing we can do to earn a place at the table. There's nothing we can do bad or good. It's just by faith and by grace, by his grace, that we can follow. And um, I, I was... I was this week uh, going to visit someone who I think, I thought what might be maybe last time I was going to see the person, uh, I thought uh, maybe, uh, may, maybe uh, they might die in the next few weeks and I might not see them again. So I wanted to give the person a glimpse of eternity and say, look, heaven is great. If, if you end up there, it's great. It ended up that uh, he, he did recuperate. It was much better. Uh, it's good news. I didn't have to talk about the greatness of heaven. But as, as I was thinking about this, I was reflecting on, on a song that was very popular when, when I was growing up um, in the sort of late, late 90s, early 2000s. And uh, I don't know if you heard this song. It's called I Can Only Imagine. Has that, anyone heard of it? Only the South Africans. Uh, no, I'm joking. Um, and um, and it's uh, and it's it's a song that sort of a, a guy wrote when when his dad died. His dad uh, was had like a horrible life. He became a Christian. He died, and he he sort of started thinking, what would it look like when I get to heaven? What will it look like when when I when I see Jesus for the first time? 
Uh, and I'm going to just put a, 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 a one-minute version of, of the song. This is part of a movie that they made of his life, which is kind of a Hollywood version, uh, but, but it's, it's quite a good movie if you, if you want to watch it. It's called I Can Only Imagine. And let's have a look at, at this, this, a bit of this song, which reflects on where, where our nation is. We are foreigners. What is our nation? And this song kind of reminds us where we're going. So our, our destiny is to see Jesus face to face. Our destiny is to live an eternal life with him. That's, that's our nation. That's our identity. That's where, where we're from. And those are, are the values we live. And, and that gives us perspective as to how things in life are. And that's what Peter is trying to tell these people. At the heart of his message is, remember your foreigners. Remember your exiles. Remember where you're from and where you're going to. And therefore, this should shape your lives. And that's why he says to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. I love this description. Our sinful desires wage war. They kind of break our soul and our being. And he also says, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. And I love this, this kind of description of uh, like our, our sinful desires as something it, it's actually it's, it's quite bad for us. And we sometimes think, oh, it's, it's not that bad. I, I quite enjoy that. I quite enjoy a bit of gossip. Or I, I quite enjoy uh, sometimes doing things that, that aren't right. Uh, and actually it's saying this is destroying your soul and, and, and breaking who who you are and who you're becoming and, and, and having a negative effect on our, feet, on our people. So, like, be careful with what you're doing and how you're doing. Like, take sin seriously because it wages war against your soul. It's something that's actually bad for you. And, and I think what, what Peter's saying is there's a bit of weight on, on, on doing things that are bad, which have a, a bad consequence. It doesn't mean that you, you lose your nationality. It doesn't mean that you, you, you lose your eternity. But it does mean that it has effect on you and others. And therefore, it's a, he says, like, abstain, because it's waging war against you. I'm going to show another little clip, um, and it's a Brazilian clip, and the sign says, don't look. 
So that's what the sign says, and it's, it's not Christian at all, but it, it helps. <laughs> So basically, I think that's what sin does, and, and um, I, I think like it makes me laugh quite a bit. But um, but but I think if if God says don't look, there's a reason why, and like we like stretch it, and we like oh no, but that's not for me. I, I'm right, uh, and there's a reason why God says don't look, and this is like a, a funny example, but but actually there is consequences when when we do what God doesn't call us. To do so, uh, the call from from this passage for me is a call to obedience. So we know our identity, and we know who we are, and therefore we are called to obey obey God. And the two things that came out of this passage was abstain from sin, so abstain from the bad stuff, which is what we teach our kids, and but live good lives. And and the the main thing is okay. Let's follow Jesus in a positive way. Let's live lives that that follow. Jesus and um, and actually Jesus said this. Um, I'm going to read the the second quote in John 14. He says, "If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth." But He says, "If you love me, you will you will obey me." And First uh, John says, "In fact, this is love for God. This is how we show that we love God to keep His commandments." And his commandments are not burdensome. And uh, we, we were at a retreat center a, f- a few weeks ago with, with the staff. And, we, um, and there's a sign that says, God's language is silence. I looked at it and said, this is wrong. God's language is not silence. God is a God who speaks. Actually, Genesis starts with God speaking. God is the speaking God. Actually, God is the God of the Bible, the God who speaks. But I was thinking, what is, what is God's love language? How, how do we respond um, to God? How, are you aware of the love languages? So there's a theory about how, how do we receive love, and different people receive love in different ways. And if you ask, uh, sort of, if you look at the Bible, what's God's love language? What is the way that he receives love? And I think it's through obedience. That's what he wants from us. He, he wants not for us to be robots, but he wants us to be able to live out his kingdom and live like he would live, to kind of do that, to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. I think that's his love language. Um, and I came across this quote by C.S. Lewis. It says, if you ask why we should obey God, 
In the last resort, the answer is this. I am. God is your great I am. To know God is to know that our obedience is due to him. When we discover how amazing God is, how great it is, what he wants for our lives, that he wants more than anyone else, your happiness, and you, uh, you, for you to live a meaningful, purposeful life. When you realize that he's made us and he knows us from the inside out, when we realize exactly who he is, then we'll be like, of course I'm going to obey. Of course I'm called to obey. Of course I'm going to follow him wherever he takes me. Because I know who's the leader. I know who's guiding me. And that's what C.S. Lewis is saying, is if you know who he is, then of course you want to obey. And I think that's the invitation for us, is to firstly know God and know who we are, but also to choose to obey, to say, okay, I will sort of fight against these things that wage war against my soul, which are not good for me, but I'm also going to choose to follow. And choose to follow is, is not sort of set, following a set of rules. People think Christianity is this kind of set of commandments which we follow, like these restrictions. But actually, the call is much bigger than that, is to follow Jesus wherever he goes, is to follow his kingdom, is to be led by him in an amazing adventure. And that's what Peter's saying, is live such good lives. He's saying, be foreigners and be exiles in this world and live differently to a world around you. Follow the promptings that God is giving you. And um, this, this week, as I uh, as, as, um, mentioned in the, in the men's um, breakfast, we, so we, we own a flat, which basically we rent it out to pay for the mortgage. Um, and we, uh, we are changing tenants. And we, um, so we, we had um, we showed the flat last, last Saturday, and a few people came to see it. And um, so we, we had, I think, it was 30 people came. And then last minute, uh, a lady came in. And, um, and I, was, uh, I, I heard, like, I spoke to her two minutes, and uh, she was a, a carer. And I don't think she, when we talked about the salary, it didn't seem like she had a, a very big salary. And obviously, when you're renting, you're, you're hoping big salaries because you, you have that assurance that they'll be able to pay for the rent. Um, and um, so we, I, I showed the flat to a few people and, um, and they, a lot of them, one was like three grown-ups all working as like such a safe, safe person to a uh, group of people to, to rent the flat. Uh, and this last one was uh, a Nigerian woman who told me, look, my uh, my husband is, is joining me. I, I'm working here. I've got my kids in Kent with a family member. Well, I haven't seen them for a while. Uh, please, can you give me the flat? And, uh, and as I was hearing, I was like, this is the most risky person of all. But I, I could feel he like, feel like a prompting from God to like, this is a person we have to rent to. I was like, oh, but I'm not sure they can actually afford it. Um, uh, and uh, so I, I came back, we spoke with Sonia, I was like, okay, let, let's offer it to them. Um, and uh, we, we ended up offering it uh, to them, and they're moving on Wednesday. I hope they can pay. They have paid the deposit and everything. And, and they've, but they, they didn't sort of pass the... When you're, when you're renting, the, you, you get some sort of reports on if, if, if they can pass uh, an exam where you, can't, you have the biggest assurance that they'll be able to pay the rent and it gives you more certainty. And they didn't pass it. But in our hearts, we thought, this is, this is what God is calling us to do. This is the risk we are willing to take. And Sonia uh, is looking at me like, oh, what have we done? Um, <laughs> and then I, I was like, okay, we, we showed the flat. We, we, we cleaned it a bit. They've seen it as it is. 
And so, you know, it was like, no, but this is, this is a place where they're going to live, so we have to honor them. So we've been all of yesterday painting it, and I'm going after here to paint it again, because Sonia's like, we have to live, give them a, a beautiful place for them as a family. They, they deserve this. Uh, they deserve this, this honor. And I think that's, in a way, this week, as I said before, I haven't done Sabbath, been painting, it's been full on, and um, I'm going to go back to paint this afternoon, and Sonia's going to do a bit more on Monday, and it's all been full on. But I think that's, and we're taking a bit of a risk with, with them as tenants, but that's obeying Jesus, isn't it? That's the, the, the way of Jesus. It's, it's, not, it's not the sort of safe don't do this, these five things that are sins. It's actually taking a risk and saying, let's go for it. And, well, I don't know if they can't pay. We'll see. It's a problem later on. We, we'll see what we do. Uh, and we don't have a lot of money. But, but it's, like, it, it's a risk we're willing to take because this, this is a family of foreigners who have come to England, to a new place, and they don't know wh- what they're doing or where, where they're going to do things. They, they're a bit lost. They need people who can love them and support them in this, these first few weeks. And we get the privilege of doing that. We get the privilege of hosting a family in need. And what a privilege it is. I'd rather every day of the week do that than give it to a safe three people working, which, which all, all the other tenants will, will, or all the other landlords would give the flat to them. I don't think um, the, they, with not passing any of your tests, they would get a flat very easily. Probably months and months trying to find a place. Uh, and what a privilege it is to follow God's prompting and see what happens. Probably come and ask for prayer in a few months' time, but <laughs> that's a call. Uh, I'm going to invite the band up, and, and I, I think kind of remembering who we are and where we're from, remembering our inheritance, remember that one day we'll meet Jesus face to face. Let's choose to obey. Let's choose to say, yes, Lord, you are our Lord. Yes, Lord, we're going to follow your ways. Yes, Lord, we're going to fight that sin that wages war against us. And we want to live lives that follow you and honor you. Shall we stand? God, thanks that you identify with us. You call us your people. And we can call you our God. Thanks for the riches of your grace and your love and the eternal life you, you give us. Thanks that one day we'll see you face to face. And Lord, I, I just pray that you would lead us, you'd prompt us to obey you, that we'd discover that following you is an exciting life. It's a life full of life. And Lord, we as a community, as a church, and as individuals today, We want to say, Lord, you are Lord. We're going to follow you, come what may. We're going to choose you every time. We are here for you, Lord. We're here to follow your your guiding. As your church, you are Lord. Take us wherever you want to take us. And as your people, individually, we are here to obey you, to follow you. So come by your Spirit and fill us once again. Come and change us. Come and guide us.